0: Welcome to the Reimagining Work podcast with John Wenger and Rogi Noord. Today we'll be talking about empathy and what lies beyond or how do we get beyond empathy. Um, Just a little story up front. I did write a blog post about empathy. It's not something that you usually encounter within social business and uh, with the modern way of working. But I do feel it's very important, especially in the modern workplace and especially in the digital workplace. Uh, When I posted it, not very soon after, or very soon after, I saw a retweet from uh, John and from his archives. And it was a blog post that was titled Beyond Empathy. And um, the serendipity of the whole thing was just wondrous. And um, somehow we just were in tune with each other, and it kind of kicked off this whole idea of this particular podcast, and of this podcast that we're doing, uh, because we talked about it and we we were thinking along the same lines. Uh, so, uh, John, if you can take the lead on this, um, and uh, start with um, well something simple what is empathy um,
1: I will start with not something simple but something that I that made an impression as you say you you wrote an article uh, on your blog and I read it and a really significant thing in that is when you say the the point here that empathy is a fundamentally important part of interhuman relations, and I think that kind of encapsulates all of it. So that's all for this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That when you say when you say that we were in tune, I think you're right. I think there's something, even though we come at social business from different uh, trajectories, we, we share um, we tune into each other around the importance of interhuman relations, because business in the 21st century, we you know reimagining work. The 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 core of it is human interrelations, and um, I um, think that there is a lot written about empathy in the workplace, in the social business, um, and I I wrote my my thing a while back. Um, because i was seeing a lot of stuff written about empathy in the, in the modern workplace and my, my training and my experience and my background is um, in the psychodrama tradition and I use technique um, called role training and I use a technique called sociodrama which are a collection of other techniques and um, one of the the techniques that, that I use is called role reversal which to my understanding goes beyond empathy and I think that there's lots of good stuff written about it. One of the um, the, the definitions of empathy that I really like is uh, comes from Professor Simon Baron-Cohen, who says that empathy has got two components. There's a cognitive, which is the head, and there's the affective, which I might say is the heart, crudely describing it. The cognitive component of empathy is where we have a drive to... Identify another person's thoughts and feelings. So we want to know here in our head what is the other person thinking and feeling. Is is, is, the
0: this, is this a mm? conscience act or is it the subconscious act? Subconscious. Mm. It's a really good question. Um,
1: I I I think I think it's very complex that one. My my gut says that it's mostly conscious, and that there are people that we well, there's an unconscious component, but there are people who we are wanting to know what's going on for them, what are they thinking and feeling. There will be other people who we may find a little bit more challenging in our lives. They would be the ones who we would be less inclined or less interested in what they're thinking and feeling. These would be the people who we get on least with, the people that we maybe have the most conflicts with. Um, and, And in many cases those are the people that provide us so much learning about the human condition. So I do think there may be a, a very strong voluntary component, conscious component to the, the cognitive thing. Is like I want to know what are you thinking and feeling. There's the other component that um, Professor Baron Cohen talks about, which is the, the affective, which is the, the heart, I suppose, which is where we have a drive to respond to another person's thoughts and feelings. And again, I think we find it easier generally to respond to people who we like, uh, who we're drawn to, who we have some sympathy for, we find it easier to respond empathically to how they think and feel. So we're, we find it easier to be kind, for example, or to say the right thing to the people that we have, have
0: more um, affection for, or who we find more affable. So, so the difficulty com- comes from, from the, the, the situations where you have to deal with somebody you don't naturally like. Uh, you know, obviously you're, you're full of preconceptions and, and prejudices towards other people, Uh, And with some, you have less and some, you have more. Uh, But obviously, empathy, or obviously, in my mind, empathy can break down barriers that that you put up naturally um, in order to keep your distance from people. Um, So uh, with people you don't know or you don't necessarily like, but you still have Mm. to work with them in the same Mm. team or in the same space... It becomes very difficult to uh, to, to come up with the enough empathy, or to to actually express yourself in a, in a proper way.
1: Yeah, I think that I think it can be more challenging. I mean, I, th- therein you lie, Therein lies one of the, um, the, the the benefits, I suppose, of of looking at how empathy fits in the modern workplace. Um, you know, you, you, you're talking about people that we may not get on so well with. But if the modern workplace, the, the future of work is going to be about um, inter-human relations, um, we've, got this, we've got this so-called problem of diversity. So what happens when you face yourself with a workplace full of people who you have to interact with more than maybe you used to 30, 40, 50 years ago, but there's so much that you don't like about them? So when, when we have got to deal with conflict, um, I think having a greater ability to have empathy uh, would be a huge benefit. So, you know, in many, many workplaces, if you look at um, uh, the sort of training that comes in, in um, many institutions, it's um, interpersonal skills is kind of core in, in, in this, and empathy is a big part of this. Um, the problem, I think, with training this in the workplace is that you can't force or train somebody to feel a particular way. And this is why I, I wouldn't say that I was an expert on empathy, but I, I'm more familiar with um, the technique of role reversal and what it creates for people um, when I'm working in the workplace. I think it goes beyond empathy. I think it goes beyond a head and a heart thing. I think it's a whole body thing. And I think when we're working with increasingly diverse workplaces, I mean, rarely do we really get to choose who we work with. With increasingly diverse workplaces, if we have got greater ability to stand in other people's shoes, which is often the uh, the, the, the analogy or the metaphor used to describe empathy, then it increases our likelihood that we're going to be able to resolve conflict better. We're going to be able to problem solve better. Um, you know, the last thing we want is groupthink, but we want people collaborating and cooperating with each other. So, because, because being able to
0: especially to s- when you're when you're uh, when you, when there's conflict. Uh, because I see it as maybe even something very uh, fundamental in the in the in the change when we're reimagining work and we're changing a business where mm. you make it something. Um, don't wait necessarily until there is a conflict, mm. but make people aware of the situation anyway. Uh, have. Uh, role reversal as a, uh, yeah, like a basic training where you you, you create you, you know you train people being aware of what they say online or how do you, how do you deal with certain information or yeah. how do you deal with social media and especially yeah. when you're speaking uh, from the company and um, I think you know this could be something that is more you know taken well, up in the process.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned online. I think it's both online and, and in real life. Um, I, I read something recently. It was a, a person, a, a minor, minor celebrity or some person who had some kind of um, position that subjected them to a lot of online abuse, I suppose. And, and they were saying, I understand that people would see me as a target, but what they don't do is realize that behind that Twitter profile is a real-life person. I have um, a family and I get up every day and prepare breakfast and I read the newspaper and I go to the shops. Like I am a real person and although I have a public persona, there is actually a real human being behind here and I think that often gets missed and I see that a lot in some of the, um, the online discussions that, that I'm witness to. I mean it's interesting for, now, for me the moment I'm following the independence debate in Scotland and seeing how it's kind of people have kind of moved beyond let's have a debate about the issues and getting a little bit personal and attacking people which I I don't think is the way that we need to be heading. I agree we do need to look at how how do we build in role reversal into um, any kind of interpersonal skills training if you want to call it that. Uh, You know I think there's a real failure for people to genuinely connect and engage in the world and I think Bigger than reimagining work, let's reimagining the world here. I, I think there's, there is, no, I, I, get, I get quite, quite um, passionate about this because I think there's, there's an increase in the kind of casual interpersonal violence that goes on between human beings. You know how easy it is for us to, to, to fling insults at people when we're out in the street if someone bumps into us or if somebody um, causes us to drop something or if somebody you know, splashes a, a, their beer in the pub on you. How it's become so easy for us to do that and forget that for a moment. There is another living, breathing human being with a life, with values, with aspirations. So
0: I, I get quite um, impassioned. Yeah, I can about imagine, the All right. I have the same thing. I, I, I have a um, uh, uh, quite a while ago, I saw a blog post of a, a woman and she wrote about how men react to her on social media and um, And that actually it ranges from I think you're cute, which is mm. okay to Sending presents to her home, you know, and mm. she's married she has children and mm. everything between you know and from from the okay you know, that, That's a nice compliment. Thank you very much to the extreme mm. creepy part. I had no mm. idea that was actually happening and uh, when I read that blog post, I commented on that. I was like, well, call me a naive white dude, but I didn't know. And mm. a- another woman reacted to that and they was like, yeah, this is, you know, and it's a real problem. But the, there's a huge amount of anonymity on the web, right? Sure. So I can pick any guy or any girl or any Twitter account and just troll because nobody's going to come. To my mm. front door and and mm. and uh, uh, hit me over the head with something because of that. Mm. And um, but in the workplace, uh, mm. you do not, or you're supposed, you're supposedly do not have that anonymity, and mm. um, therefore the the necessity of being empathic, or uh, in, when there's a conflict have a role reversal because it's actually mm. doable co- because the mm. people are usually physically in the same space mm-hmm. um, so I agree a hundred percent with you that uh, uh, that it, it does get out of hand and mm. but when you're reimagining work and you're doing the whole uh, mm. getting people to be aware of other people's feelings and when you train mm. them in in a in, a, in mm. A protective environment, mm. being in this case a workplace, they will mm. carry that through uh, to the outside world and the online world.
1: It's it's my experience, and again, I, you know, I, to, to reiterate, you, you can't force or train someone to feel how someone else feels. You can't force or train someone to want to feel how someone else feels, which is, you know, the definitions that Professor Baron Cohen talks about, like the drive to know and to respond. You can't force that, but I think if 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 we kind of shift our mindsets to what workplace learning would include I think certainly there's a, there's a, there's a heavy interpersonal um, component to that and I think if, if we use something which not just addresses the head and the heart but also the whole body that, then we have a greater likelihood of getting something that sticks and, and my experience of using um, role training and sociodrama within which I would I would deploy a role reversal. There might be an episode where there is some role reversal. My my, my experience is that this stuff really works. And I know can that you, from my own experience also a, of having can, been trained I, I, and experienced it myself.
0: I rem- yeah, exactly. So I remember reading in your blog post uh, you you had a real world example. Well, I was thinking about that that example. It's one of the ones that sticks really strongly
1: in my head because it was one of the ones that happened in in the most... Um, in in the quickest uh, sort of time frame, I, I remember there was there was a manager that we were working with in our leader development program some years ago, and she very quickly came identified in her head a staff member that she was um, managing who she called a bad egg, uh, a difficult person, a person who always you know um, fought against her, and she was the bad egg. And how do I deal with her and so we um, asked a little bit more detail about what was the scenario, a scenario where one of these conflicts might occur and we had um, Stacey to um, take up the position of, of herself so we had laid out two chairs she took up the position of herself and I got my uh, co-worker to take up the position of the bad egg if you like and I, I um, asked Stacy to identify a real-life conversation that she'd had where she very quickly came to that kind of, you know, clash. So I had her enact and, uh, from her position, and then when she had sort of finished her bit, I said reverse roles. And so she swapped chairs, and she sat in the role of the bad egg, and I had my co-worker repeat the words that Stacy had said, and in the role of the bad, and I did some coaching to encourage her to think and feel and, and sit as, as this bad egg would sit. And she, I saw her and she kind of settled into this and she looked quite thoughtful. And in response, she said something back from the role of the bad egg. We did this a couple of times, the role reversal conversation. But after, after only a half a dozen role reversals, she went back to be herself having had the visceral experience, a lived experience of being, of being the bad egg. And she just looked at me and she said, it's gone. And I said, what, what's gone? She said, that feeling. I don't feel that kind of animosity towards her anymore. And I hadn't had such instant and quick feedback directly to me going, that's it, it's sorted out. And I think that's why it's such a good example for me, because it really illustrates the power of roles so And it mirrors my experience as well of having been in those situations where I might have been reenacting a, a conflict that I'd had with someone. Um, and very quickly, just like that, having the whole lived experience, not only am I empathizing, so I'm thinking and feeling how the other person thinks and feels, and I want to know how to respond, but I have an experience of, it's a holistic experience, like, I am a person with values and beliefs and aspirations and I kind of understand where I'm coming from now when I'm being in the role of the other. So when Stacy went back to be herself, she had lived the experience of being the bad egg. And it's one of those things because it's holistic and it lives, you, you can't unknow it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, exactly. It, I was, was going to ask
0: that. Once you experience it, once you see
1: it. That's right. And that is where the, kind of the, the benefit gets transferred back to the, the, to the workplace. To, to follow that story up, six weeks later, we had the next sort of development day with this group. And, as a, and part of the early part of the day, warming up and sort of finding out how people were going with the things they'd been learning. And I sort of looked at Stacy and said, so how are you going with your bad egg? Trying to be lighthearted about it. And she went, sorry? You, and I, you know, your bad egg. Everybody here is interested in knowing how you're going with, you know, person X. And she went, oh, yeah, no, no, that's fine. No, no, I, when I think back, I can't imagine why I used to imagine her as a bad egg. So it's an, it's an interesting thing. One of the things that kind of underlies the work I do is this, this, um, thing called sociometry, which teaches us that we have more in common with each other than that separates us. And I really utterly believe that. When we have an experience where we are in the role of someone else, um, we realize that there's so much that binds us together then separates us and the things that separate us seem somehow more manageable or irrelevant and we just let some of that stuff melt away um, and, and I have to say I, my, again my experience of being in the, that kind of role reversal situation is mirrored where well, I've been in situations I've role reversed and then quite instantly it all melts away it doesn't matter how long the kind of conflict or animosity may have been around, but when I have when I have got it, when I have got that role reversal, when I have really truly role reversed, I've got it. Now I'll say something about that, that it's not an easy thing to do, you know, you said earlier about you've, we've talked about empathy being a voluntary or conscious thing I think there does need to be some element of I wish and I will to do this. So there are people who, maybe in my life, I would go, I, I have no interest in role reversing with them. I don't actually want to know uh, in any deep way, what life is like for that person, you know, I might think of someone extreme like Stalin or or someone like that, um, there will be people, I suppose, in our lives, we go, I don't want to role-reverse with them, and that's absolutely a choice. Um, Role-reversal also is a really hard thing to do, and there's a quote that I've found that I, I remember learning many, many years ago by Jacob Moreno that comes from a poem. Jacob Moreno was the founder of psychodrama and sociometry and and the poem says um, this describing role reversal a meeting of two eye to eye face to face and when you are near I will tear your eyes out and place them instead of mine and you will tear my eyes out and will place them instead of yours then I will look at me with mine and I think that the um, the real um, meaty, visceral nature of that poem, you know, tearing your eyes out, kind of encapsulates sometimes for some people what role reversal is like. Again, because it's not merely a cognitive exercise. And it creates an experience for you where you can't unlearn. It's incredibly emotional. It is incredibly emotional. And, and to, to actually be able to see someone to see yourself as someone sees you, but in a holistic way, can really change your world entirely, forever and ever. And I've had many of those myself as, as, a, um, as a, a, a protagonist in a role training or a sociodrama. drama. And I've also had many as a director and directing people in these, where your life changes forever. So it's not an easy thing to do role reversal. And it's, you know, when you roll reverse the first time, you really have to kind of let yourself go. I remember being, part of it is around you have to realize when you roll reverse, you leave behind, even momentarily, your beliefs, your values, what you think is right and wrong, and you take up, or you try to take up the other. Now, we can never really know what somebody else is truly thinking and feeling, but just that momentary effort of our will to give up Everything that we are holding so strongly to. Now you think of really strong workplace conflicts. I'm going to give up my position utterly right now. And really try and be what it's like to be you. And then go back to being myself. Well, my world cannot fail to change. You know, so it is an incredibly deep thing. So coming back to reimagining work. If we're going to get human relations right, by God, we've got to get them right. Not perfect, but we've really got to invest our effort into getting some good human relations going in the workplace. Um, which comes back to the article I wrote which I think I'm trying to promote something yes I'm trying to promote empathy absolutely let's look at how can we get on better with each other and then there's let's how can we deepen it how can we make it long-lasting is it Uh,
0: um, uh, um, something that can be dangerous or damaging if if you if you do it in an uncontrolled fashion, if you if somebody reads your blog post and goes like, "Oh right, well we can do that. Let's just put because uh, you and you have a, always conflict and just yeah. we're gonna put you guys into a room and then we're gonna force you into doing this and you're gonna, yeah. you know, can it be actually detrimental to the whole situation? You need an expert. Yeah. Look, I I
1: I have. Um been careful about encouraging people to go off and try this on your own you know I when we when we've done some of this stuff with with folks in the past if it's a particularly one if it's conflict-laden or there's some really complex interrelationships with some very long complex history we we say look kids do not try this at home you know I I, I think this is something that requires uh, some careful attention to uh, who's in the room, who's not in the room, uh, how are the relationships within the room, what are the, um, the status relationships within the room. Um, people keep making sure people don't say something for example which might be career limiting uh, or, or they may regret saying. Um, but on a, one, on a solo basis I have said to people look you, you find there's a, there's a minor niggle you have with somebody um, and I do this myself, so how about you, you in a quiet moment, you, you take two chairs and you place them in, in, your, in a room, and you rehearse a conversation with someone so that you feel a little bit more comfortable saying what you want to say. But I would say, if it's a scale of one to 10, where 10 is World War Three, I don't know. You know cho- choose, choose something that's maybe on the level of you know, up to three. On the scale of intensity, but anything beyond that, I think probably like most techniques, it's good to have somebody who is well versed in the use of the technique, um, because once you, it's, it's. I mean, I know this myself. People who have seen several role plays uh, in in a in a corporate setting and decide that they can go off and do role plays in their consultancy, except they have done no training in any kind of psychology or psychological technique or drama or drama technique or psychodrama or they have done no actual formal training or maybe a weekend in psychodrama and I sadly have seen this and they think well I I can do role plays. Well if you start a role play and you get people to reverse roles and pretend to be someone that they're in deep conflict with you have no idea what might be uncovered, so I would say be very careful. Yeah, we're talking
0: about a very powerful tool, and it's and, an incredibly and, powerful thing. And with each yeah. powerful tool, be that like a, like a like a physical like a chainsaw or whatever. I mean, the more powerful Absolutely. it gets, good, the more aware you need to be of everything, and and maybe even the more trained you need to be to actually use it. I mean, yeah, it's a powerful tool. It can invoke pretty powerful reactions and pretty powerful emotions Mm. so it's Mm. something that you need to do in a very controlled manner and uh, it's science so you don't just go out and do it because you know you you can hurt yourself or others uh, uh, or the situation that you're in yeah okay
1: yeah, I mean, I think particularly with, with people who you may have less uh, and to, uh, uh, less um, sympathy for, the ones that you're really struggling with, be very careful about doing all that sort of stuff on your own or, you know, thinking, oh, I, I, I've read a, an article on this. I, I know what I can do to help. Um, you know, I think foisting your help on someone is probably one of the least helpful things that you can do. Um, and we've all been guilty of that, I know. Um but yeah I, I think the the chainsaw analogy is good. it's a It's a thing which can do some it has incredible power, but also be very
0: careful of of, of how you use it. yeah mm. um, Okay, um, I think that we still have time actually, so mm. I must say you did very well, and uh, but we did like cover all the topics. Mm-hmm. and uh, we know that empathy is just a part of the, the whole process of, of being able to um, communicate openly and and on a, on a pretty good level with others and mm. especially for leaders in in the, the new age if you will in the re, in, in the new modern world of work uh, leaders need to have a better understanding of the impact they can have and and um, the different um sociological effects that happen within teams and because we discussed the teams obviously in an earlier episode um well i mean i think there's
1: certainly the effect on teams and you talk about sociological effects i think you know one of the 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 things that uh the future of work the social business world talks about as human resources and empathy is absolutely related to all of that sort of thing. Um, You know, When we start to call humans resources I think we're moving a little bit down towards the lower end of the the empathy spectrum um, because they're not and I think again you've mentioned this many times and I think it's worth repeating that we have inherited an industrial model of workplaces and when we have an industrial model of a workplace then humans we begin to see them or we fail to stop seeing them as a resource to be deployed in pursuit of profit and when we start to when we stop seeing people in an in an i thou an i you human to human relationship and we see it as an i it sort of perspective well that's when we begin to shift our empathy away from the relationship um, i i you is when i recognize that you have again I, the reference i made before about being online and online abuse. There's a person there if I lose the ability to see that the you, there's some sub- subjectivity in a human experience then it becomes easy to treat you as a piece of furniture or a human resource. Um, so I think this, this whole thing is relevant to a bigger picture of the mindset that we bring to the, the, the reimagining work. That it really is about humans relating to humans not me relating to customers or businesses relating to business like humans relating to humans, yeah,
0: it's H two H. It's no longer B two B or B two C. It's H two H. Uh, I saw that. Okay. The, the, yeah, the, I the, I to heard that I have flutter by that somewhere and yes, go like, yeah. well, it's human to human, and and yeah. that goes on every level. And mm. um, I, I think actually what you what you just nailed is like the most one of the most fundamental changes that we need to be aware of when we want to transform into a social business mm. is that we focus so much more on the human element instead of just the bottom line, just the profit, just the return on investment. I know it's important and I know Mm. CEOs want to have those kind of numbers, but you have to start somewhere and you have to realize that it's people that you work with and your Mm. workforce is per definition your most valuable asset. I mean, nothing else matters if nobody shows up for work, you know, at Monday. I mean, your business just goes down the drain instantly. So, uh, yeah. It's an interesting,
1: interesting, like, just to, just to be a little bit playful with you, you've used the word asset, and, and I would go, eh, they're not assets. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, but, they're not. But again, it's not, an int- not, it, yeah, and yeah. I find myself doing the same thing. Hey, yeah, we, exactly. we use this language yeah. that we've just, just uh, unconsciously inherited, and we still say HR and human resources, and you know, people are your greatest asset. If we kind of, if we really get it, that and, and really invest in, in developing ourselves and our humanity, um and there's another whole conversation about intrapersonal self-aware you know, self-awareness. Um, if we if we get that, then we'll stop seeing people as resources and assets and, you know, sack them and, you know, deploy them here. Um, I think it's a real um, major shift in how workplaces will operate. The, the the thing about this, if you think of if we want to be quite crude about it and say, well it's a useful tool empathy let's learn empathy because we have to um, if we're going to have the competitive edge alright if you if, let, let's look at it like that the, the thing about empathy and, and also the, the the effects that roll on from a good um, experience of role reversal is you can't fake it Like people know when you're not being genuine so you cannot fake empathy um, and the problem with I think investing in empathy training is you may get the, the mechanical behaving changing, but I know when I'm on the phone or I'm face-to-face with somebody in a, in a kind of a what you might call a customer service relationship, when they're not being genuine with me, when they're saying the things that they have been trained to say, I hope you're having a nice day, all that kind of stuff. Uh, th- there's some really hilarious ones I've heard over the years of the guy going, and hey, you have a nice day, no, you have a nice day, sir. No, you have a nice day. No, you have a nice day, sir. And had been trained to be the last, to, to have the last word and say, have a nice day. And the guy kept going, no, you have a nice day. No, you have a nice day, sir.
0: No, you have a nice day. I've, I have did the same thing where you, when you, when you try to, or where you end the conversation and, and you've done so many and you go, well, well, thank you. And, uh, yeah. or saying you're welcome to the, to the client because you helped them and they haven't said thank you yet. Right. And that's <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, it's the yeah. little things. Yet, but you know, it's you're only half yeah. listening, and you're just solving the yeah. problem, and you make sure you logged everything properly. And you know That's that right. number, because the client is not a person; it's it's that incident number that get right. attached to it. And yeah, we, right. we've got yeah. a long way to go uh, uh, yeah. before we. Uh, and and this is one of the things that uh, oh well there you go nice bridge to the next episode where we're going to talk about where to begin with with one of these changes. I mean, where do you begin mm. if you want to change your business into a social business, assuming that you have just like a regular old school uh, mm. business? And uh, usually there's already a few things in place that you can actually uh, build upon. And uh, Absolutely. many are familiar with trainings like these where you have either role reversal or where you have... Because you know when customer support... Uh, there you you go through a training some of them anyway uh, Mm. where you train how to deal with people and if that training goes well then you have a nice training you know it's 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 something that's good and sometimes it's just how to deal how to work your list and those are a little bit less good Mm. okay on that note uh, on that bombshell um uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's end this episode. we were talking about beyond empathy. I think this is one of those topics that you can indeed go on and on and on and on mm. about, but we're not gonna John we're not so yeah I know I know we'll pick it up <laughs> we'll p- pick it up and or something like this later on and and maybe we'll talk about it with a guest at some point that sounds um, good that sounds good for now for this episode uh i thank everybody for listening and we'll hope to talk to you soon and with episode six so thank you and goodbye